to Finest Hours for a special early release for International Women's Day 2020. I'm your host, Braden Cromar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hayden Hansen, and our executive producer, Skylar Williams. Hello. What's up? Welcome back, guys. It's good to be back on a shorter cadence than we normally would do, but I think we kind of owe a quicker episode since since we had some weeks go by with our last one but we are happy to be back in time for a very special episode much adventure to be had in this week's episode so let's go ahead and dive in because not much has changed we are all still alive and none of us have gotten coronavirus so we have nothing new to <laughs> though it is in davis county i do have the sniffles oh is it in our county yeah, the first case last night, I guess. 60-year-old oh. man. He's quarantined in his own house. But Did you say a 6-year-old man or a 60-year-old? 60. 60. <laughs> He's a very young man. He's very young. <laughs> like a little kid in a suit. Young in heart, old in body. Our story today takes place in 1864 with the birth of Elizabeth Cochran in Pennsylvania. She was born to an affluent family, but her father passed away in 1870 when she was six years old and her family lost everything because of this. So they moved to Pittsburgh to search for work where her brothers were able to get a better education and better jobs. But Elizabeth was stuck doing caregiving and housekeeping work. So one day Elizabeth read an article in the Pittsburgh dispatch titled what women are good for. The article was very misogynistic, basically arguing that women should be confined to the home. The article referred to the working woman as a monstrosity. Elizabeth, whose family lost everything after her father died, relied on her mother to work and support the family. So this really hit home for Elizabeth, where she went and saw her mom work really hard to bring her up, to bring her brothers up. And so she did not like what this article had to say. So she was outraged and wrote a letter to the Pittsburgh Dispatch condemning the article. The editor of the newspaper, George Madden, was so impressed with her writing that he offered her a job, a rate at $5 per week. Get out the inflation calculator. That's what I'm doing. Inflation calculation. I calculated $125.82. Wow, you're fast. It's about 25 times what it was then. Uh, That doesn't sound great, but uh, it was more than she would have made if she went to go work in the factories. It's like $500 a month. So when she started working at the newspaper, she took on the name Nellie Bly. Women journalists weren't published under their own names, so she was given an alias. She started work at the dispatch reporting on the conditions of women in factories, but complaints from factory owners to the dispatch led to her being moved to write stories on the women's page. And she got sick of that pretty fast. It just covered topics about fashion, society, and gossip. 
So she approached Madden and asked to be put back on investigative articles, but he declined her request. When she left for the day in place of her article, she left a note on his desk. I am off for New York. Look out for me. Bly. Honestly, that would be pretty funny when it's like boss is expecting an article and he gets like a one liner. <laughs> it's pretty cool. He was probably ticked. I wonder what he put in the place of the article. Boom. Gone. Now, when she arrived in New York City, she went to speak to the World Newspaper. Joseph Pulitzer was the editor. He is the one that the Pulitzer Prize is named after. And he wanted to sell more papers to immigrants. So Nellie Bly pitched an idea to the editor. And she wanted to travel to Europe and emigrate to the United States by traveling in steerage, which is essentially like a storage compartment in the boat like very low class as poor as you could be and come over with those emigrants and report on those conditions and so the world turned down the request because it was too expensive but they issued her a new challenge to sneak into an insane asylum Bly asked if I were to somehow get in how would I get out to which the editor replied I don't know somehow if you're stuck, um, a tunnel I've heard works great. Um, I don't know anything else. Go with the tunnel. So the asylum in question was Blackwell's Island. It was a women's asylum in New York, and there had been reports of abuse occurring there. In the 19th century, our understanding of mental illness was really bad, and treatment was largely unsuccessful. Many times, insane asylums served to get rid of the undesirables that were living in the area. Many patients in Blackwell's Island were just immigrants that didn't even know how to speak English. According to the New York Times, over 55,000 former psychiatric patients are buried in unmarked graves in New York. Blackwell is a great name for an insane asylum. It sounds so creepy. Blackwell's Asylum does sound great. Bly's plan to infiltrate the asylum was to feign insanity and be forced to be admitted into Blackwell's Island. She went to a woman's boarding home for working women where she put on her insanity act. She pulled it off quite well, terrifying the women in the home, and a policeman was sent to the house to take her away. She met with several doctors and they were convinced that she was insane, so she was sent to the hospital. Upon arriving at the hospital, she went back to her normal self, casting aside the insane act, hoping that the doctors would recognize that she was not insane and didn't belong. Do you think the doctors bought it? Oh, they totally bought it. I oh, know. I mean, the doctors that she then was not faking being insane. Do you they think they were care. like, oh, she's faking now? They didn't care. And there's, there's conflicting reports on it that the more she acted normal, the more that they thought she was insane. truly insane. Actually, I pulled up a very interesting sheet from an insane asylum in Virginia that outlines reasons that patients were admitted into the asylum from 1864 to 1889. And you may have seen this before. And Skyler's laughing at some of the stuff on here that we're not going to read. <laughs> Don't you friendly. dare say that out loud. But use of tobacco, we'll tobacco read, products. We'll read through some of them. Ill treatment by husband, imaginary female trouble, laziness, asthma, marriage of son. I don't know what that means. I hope that no one ever married what does, their son. What does the war mean? <laughs> I don't know what the war like, means. 
like vets, veterans of the Civil War, opium Sh- habits, shooting of daughter, <laughs> <laughs> not the awful. son, just the daughter. Puts you in prison, not in an insane yeah. asylum. Opium habit, overaction of the mind. That's totally where I would get. I love snuff eating in. for two years. <laughs> for two if years, it's been a year and eight months. You're good, but if you've been eating <laughs> snuff for two years, you got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Overaction of the mind. I mentioned that. Overstudy of religion. Novel Parents reading. were cousins. There you go, South. Uh, this is Virginia. Bell from horse in war. <laughs> Bell from horse in war. <laughs> He's not good at writing. Asthma. <laughs> Asthma. Business troubles. Uh, what else is on here? Rumor of husband murder. <laughs> yeah. Death of sons in the war. That's like awful desertion by husband like your husband just left you so they put you in the insane asylum and then did we say novel reading <laughs> novel reading because that's pretty good reading, really dickens. reading charles well. dickens can get you thrown into an insane asylum <laughs> look at time of life if you were having I'm... a good time nope. <laughs> i had the time of my life <laughs> i don't know what time of life means um imaginary female trouble imaginary feel that that's that might be my favorite there are some good ones on here just i figure we might as well mention that like there's hysteria one thing that's kind of interesting is like dropsy or epileptic fits so if you're having seizures they would send you in there because again they just kind of didn't know how to treat that at the time but they figured they obviously need help so yeah it was bad though it was really bad oh no my favorite on this list female disease I don't know what female <laughs> disease means. <laughs> Question one. Are you male or female? <laughs> if they answer female, they have female disease. <laughs> I have no idea. But basically, oh, like, it's where like people would go, like the undesirables would go here, or their husband could literally just throw their wife into an insane asylum if they wanted to. So nothing really concrete to send people here. It just no, kind of was like total, totally arbitrary, yeah. like made up stuff. And that's probably why, you know, most of those horror stories are in Salem asylums. The words together insane asylum are so hard to say five times fast. So <laughs> if, we, if we stumble over that, we apologize. I mean, try it, try it yourself. It's, it's quite difficult. So Hayden, talk to us about the conditions in, that Bly had discovered while she was in the asylum. Now these conditions were just short of a five-star hotel treatment, so we'll talk about some of them. <laughs> so hot towel folded <laughs> like an origami duck. Yeah, they didn't have the origami reply. ducks, though some women did reportedly see ducks. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. That's bad. <laughs> so she. Uh, Nellie Bly, once she gets in there, she reports that the women there were given spoiled food to eat. They were forced to take baths in ice-cold water, and they had to share the same dirty water as 50 other patients. Um, They were given extremely short blankets, so it wouldn't even keep them warm at night inside this cold prison-slash-hospital, whatever you want to call it. They were frequently beaten for misbehavior, and they were forced to sit on straight-back benches for hours at a time, and were not allowed to talk or to move. And she reported that there really was no therapeutic treatment that was actually occurring at the asylum. So this is what, what gets me is I would think, or what would make sense to me is if you want to see someone actually having like a mental breakdown, 
you should provide them with like a comfortable environment to see, you know, how insane these people are. But these conditions would drive any normal human being insane. Yeah. Like if they ever got to sit on like a hard bench at like a, like an old church or something for like an hour on end, like how much does that drive you crazy? <laughs> like you've got to like nothing, nothing in this world drives me crazier than having to sit in one of those things. That'll drive me nuts. I'm already getting anxious thinking about it. <laughs> so the good thing is that Bly only spent 10 days in the asylum until a lawyer from the world was able to have her released. I she don't know then, how they did that, but I'd, I bet yeah. she was pro. I bet she was probably about halfway through digging her tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> After she got out, she ended up writing a book and it was titled 10 days in a Madhouse," exposing the conditions of the prison hospital. And I wonder what other stuff she would have been able to write if she was in there a little bit longer than 10 days. But just staying there for 10 days and seeing all the horrific things, she was able to write a book and it became very popular and she was able to expose Blackwell's Island. The book was a major hit and a grand jury launched an investigation into Blackwell's Island, exposing these conditions. And it resulted in the state of New York granting $1 million more per year for the care of the insane. So did they shut down Blackwell's Island or did they keep it going? And then they were like, let's just funnel more money into this. It remains. And they began putting more money into it so that like they could have like better sleeping conditions, better food. That was one of the things that really got much better after softer, this investigation. Softer chairs? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> padded, <laughs> chairs. padded walls, padded chairs. The conditions got better, but obviously, like, they still weren't great. And it, like, like this is decades worth of work that is in motion to, to really take care of people with, with mental illness. So, looking at the million dollars, that's like $25 million today, which definitely sounds like a lot more compared to our $5 and $125 comparison. Yeah. Where it's like, that's a ton of money to be shelling out at that time. It's a lot. So, Nellie Bly very much is credited with that. Big win. On to the next one. Nellie Bly became a media sensation, playing even more roles in investigative journalism, often under different aliases. She played hundreds of different roles, and we have a few of them here that will each take take turns. Helen Wolcott was arrested for grand larceny, and she exposed the conditions of female prisoners. I wonder what she stole. Probably fake, but that's still interesting. I didn't look into it that much, but... Pretty cool, all the same. Nora Simpson, another alias of hers, visited a free health clinic where free health care was provided to the poor. Sounds like a dream. She was faking a sore throat, <laughs> and the quack doctor wanted to perform an operation on her for her fake sore throat. So that just feels a little messed up. The next alias is Alice Bostwick, and she uncovered a human trafficking operation that sold unwanted babies. That is seriously something I've always kind of been curious about because in one of my economics classes, we talked about the black market for like children, whether it be sexual or not, just like this human trafficking stuff. And I was just like, that is so messed up because I had never thought about it until then. And hopefully don't have to think about it much more, but creepy. Yep. And ongoing, even in 2020. Mrs. Stephen Foster played the wife of a man in the patent medicine business. 
She had requested a notorious lobbyist to bribe committee members to vote no on a bill that would result in lower profits for her fake husband. She succeeded and exposed the lobbyist and the committee officials. How would you like to be the guy that gets exposed? I hate for, getting exposed. For, for, <laughs> I hate for, when you for trying to help. Yeah. For trying to help this made up guy. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed like a great guy. <laughs> I never met him, but I met his wife. <laughs> she was really nice. Yeah, she's probably quite charming, and that's probably how she was able to pull off some of these feats. She did good work. And she was coming out with a new story like every week, so she just like lived and breathed this stuff. Do you think that she had trouble with multiple personality disorder? <laughs> Her career began and ended <laughs> in an asylum. No, I'm just teasing. But honestly, as we were talking about the asylum, I knew where we were going, and I was just like, that's so interesting, because obviously she got good at like faking a whole bunch of stuff that she must like just thinking of her faking insane like if she was as good as she was at all of these other things that would be crazy one of her things that she wanted to do for the newspaper was go and experience more of the world so in 1888 she approached the editor of the world with a new feat to travel the world in under 80 days and that would be beating the fictional record from jules verne's novel around the world in 80 days and so at the beginning of her journey, she had tea with the author, Jules Verne, in London, but otherwise her journey was rather boring. And because of this, the world decided to begin a contest that would reward people with an all-expense first-class trip to Europe if they could guess the exact time that it would take for Bly to arrive back in New York City. Yeah, they started freaking out because Bly's was like, She's like, this kind of sucks. <laughs> like, I'm not having any fun. There's nothing interesting going on. And they're like, oh, she's not actually staying in places long enough to report on them. So they ran this contest. And oh, my gosh, they started selling so many newspapers as Bly was traveling. And everyone was, was getting involved in this. And so people were, people were interested. People were tuning in. But she, she just didn't have a whole lot to report. And guess what? One of her she aliases submitted a guess and won. <laughs> i oh, smell <laughs> cheating <laughs> cheater she accomplished this having only packed one dress changes of undergarments and toiletries and that's all that she she took with her on her on her journey all i took was a single dress and 200 rolls of toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> i came back dressed in toilet paper <laughs> and back into blackwell's so Bly completed her journey in 72 days, circumnavigating the world, setting a world record. Now, Nellie Bly led a very busy life and career. She ended up passing away at the age of 57 due to pneumonia, but she led a great many lives. All right. So that's it for our amazing episode on Nellie Bly. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully there's many more to come. And if you guys want to follow us, make sure that you subscribe, you review, you rate, you give us five stars on Apple Podcast and Spotify. If you want to follow us even more, we have our Instagram. That's at Finest Hours Podcast. And if you want to communicate, maybe give us a story to share. 
email us at finesthourspod at gmail.com. Share with us any amazing stories that you've come across and we'll consider throwing them into the episode. And enjoy your International Women's Day 2020 as, as we release this and, and be sure to share those stories with us as you stumble across them and, and we'll look into adding them into the mix here. Thank you. So that's going to do it for us on this week's show. And we will come back with you in a couple weeks with another amazing story. As Nellie Bly would say, bye, bye, bye. See ya.